1: This podcast is brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. As you all know, this is a business that I started to give back more to conservation. We roast premium coffee and it ships out within hours of roasting. This guarantees that when you order, you get the freshest coffee possible available. The kicker we donate 10% of our proceeds back to conservation. You choose where the donation goes at checkout. Check us out at SkullBrewCoffee.com and let's do some good together and help protect wild places one cup at a time. Visit SkullBrewCoffee.com and pledge your support of conservation today. Hello and welcome to the Truth From The Stand deer hunting podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 116. Today I'm joined by Brian Broderick of Day 6 Gear for part two of our discussion we're talking day six gear arrows and new products so stay tuned all right all right what is happening folks everyone out there is feeling good feeling fine here on this wednesday afternoon morning whatever time you decide to uh decide to listen to this uh this past week has been kind of a i don't know about you guys but this past week's been a bit of a grinder i had had some time off over the course of the past couple weeks actually had all of last week off or the week previously so this was my first full week i guess back to work was last week um and it was uh it was a grinder man having to get back in the swing the prior weeks, you know, the weeks prior to that I actually had a couple of days off, had a week off in between starting my, you know, leaving my old job and starting my new job. So I kind of got used to just kind of getting up in the morning, having a cup of coffee, reading some stuff online, going doing some scouting, shoot my bow a little bit. Like I you know, I think I could uh, I think I could live a good retired life actually. I think I'll be really good at retirement. So we're looking forward to that, but I have quite a long ways to go before that, but Uh, This past weekend or this, you know, this weekend we had some really killer weather and I am in full swing of the honey do list. Um, The reason being is that, of course, during hunting season, I put everything off imaginable Um, and the weather, the weather sucks after that. And so this time of year, it's, you know, cleaning up the yard, trimming trees and doing all that kind of stuff. And I just whatever my wife asks me to do, I just say yes. Um, That way, whenever it comes time for October, November whenever I ask for things to do, she says, yes. So that's the, uh, that's the given, the, uh, the give and take. And I was driving running some errands today and I actually started thinking about some, some of my hunts coming up for this year and started, you know, going through like a little bit of a mental, a mental checklist and actually even started kind of doing a few things online to start to, uh, to start to get prepared. Um, as I'd mentioned in the past, you know, Iowa is on the docket for this year. So long as I draw and I should, because I, uh, I have the points, but, you know, Weirder things have happened, so. Um, but the plan is for to is to go to Iowa's as I I've, as I've, I have mentioned. Um, but I'm thinking about maybe squeezing one other hunt in, and I'm not a hundred percent sure yet. Um, Kentucky is on the board as a possibility for early season, um, but I'm not a hundred percent sure yet. So I've been kind of, you know, getting probably a little bit too excited too early for uh for bow season since we are still you know in in April. Um, but you know, I, I like to be prepared. So we'll go ahead and allow myself to get geeked out a little bit. And then the other thing I started thinking about today, actually, as I was driving was, you know, there's a couple new pieces that I've scouted, you know, over the course of, you know, I guess two weeks ago while I was off, uh, off from work and I've got, you know, those two pieces that I scouted, of course, you know, the family property that I, that I, of course have access to. And then, um, the swamp that, that I've been hunting. And then of course, you know, where the public land I'll be hunting in Iowa. So I've got quite a few places that I need to get cameras out on. And I started thinking about some of the new places that I've not hung cameras before. Um, and thinking about camera placements and actually started to get kind of geeked up, uh, and geeked out about that a little bit, knowing that, uh, you know, I don't know, man, like the beginning of the season or here, you know, when, when velvet starts to pop here in just a couple months, um, you know all 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 things are possible at that point of the season you know every it's a zero 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 score as as you as you you know some would say in the sporting realm um and i just kind of get super excited about it and look forward to that time of year just to kind of see what the possibilities are especially this year with you know Iowa being completely uncharted territory for me i uh, have seen some deer from the areas that i'm hunting you know of course through through john cuz he's hunted some um, some similar areas so i know what type of deer are in that area and even some that had made it through uh, previous seasons and so forth. but uh, uh I don't know, man, I'm just kind of pumped up for this for this season. I think shooting last weekend with Greg at the range and getting starting to really kind of get you know my dialed in with my new release and stuff like that um really kind of got me pumped up and thinking about the season, but you know, we have turkeys first, you know, and I'm gonna make a make a good college try at uh, at some turkeys here whenever our opener rolls around here at the end of the, at the end of April and I see. Slightly jealous of, of the states that have already opened. I've been seeing some some buddies that I know put some birds down in a couple different states. So uh, that of course gets me a little bit excited. I always get excited for turkey season, and then my excitement wanes pretty quickly because I'm I'm awful at it, and so I'm usually slapped in the face with the the stark reality of how how poor of a turkey hunter I am. And then I just turn my focus back to whitetails. But with that, we have a killer show today. So today is part two of uh, Brian Broderick uh, and I's discussion. Brian is of course from day six gear. Uh, We had him on the previous podcast and really this whole thing was recorded at one time. Um, But we had really the the front part that I shared last week or that I put out as episode one fifteen was really just, he and I talking about hunting, hunting culture where he hunts and, you know, just two dudes talking hunting. Um, And so I wanted to break it up because we talked for quite a while. And I think this segment, you know, Brian and I talk again for probably pretty close to an hour and this portion is more specifically about, you know, we, we talk plenty about day six gear arrows and like the beginning of that and, and how they're evolving as a company and, and where they're going next in terms of products and stuff like that. And what the, really the premise behind the business model is and, and and what their focus is. Um, but the other cool part is too, you know, Brian is a, is an entrepreneur. Um, you know, he's, he's been self-employed for a long time. Um, and he even mentioned in, in part one that, you know, he really went into a type of business, um, that he knew that he could, you know, manage to make hunting import, an important part of his life while he still was able to make a good income for him for himself and his family. Um, and so I just think he has an interesting perspective as as a dude who is a lifelong hunter, um, a like a lifelong entrepreneur, and is able to kind of balance all those things at the same time. So we talk a little bit about that business side of things and for anyone out there who's you know thinking of um, starting a business or is just in the the beginnings of starting a business. You know, I'm I'm in that phase, of course, myself with the the Skull Brew Coffee Company stuff, you know, and which is a a brand new, a brand new gig. Um, And so it was definitely helpful for me to kind of talk to him, on the podcast and of course you know talk to him a little bit you know we t- share some texts and stuff like that when i have questions about things so brian's just a great dude um we talk a lot about day six gear get into the gear some new products so you'll hear some of that in this and uh without further ado we'll go ahead and get cracking with brian um but i want to change gears here man because i want to talk a little bit about you know the hunting industry and you know what you have going on with uh, with with day six so you know, I guess let me start by asking, you know, what was the reason for starting Day 6 Gear? Like, what was the, I guess, the the genesis of that?
2: Well, um, I, you know, like I said earlier, I'd, I'd always planned on trying to do something in the outdoors as I got later in life, and, and some of my responsibilities um, started to lessen with regards to, you know, family and finances and things like that. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and my goal was to always try to be done with the construction industry by 50, Mm -hmm. uh, and start to work at that point towards doing something that was more of a, um, uh, quality of life than quality of banking account. Right. So that was always my plan and, you know, um, best laid plans. Right. Right. Anyway. Uh, I guess three, three or four years ago, I guess, uh, I was out in, uh, Colorado skiing and I, it was really bad weather one day, kind of a, you know, storm blew, was, was blowing in and nobody was really wanting to ski. And my wife and the boys wanted to just hang out around the, the little town there. And so I drove into Denver. And, um, I'd called and, and talked to Aaron Snyder at and I drove into Denver to meet with him because I, I wanted some help getting a pack, uh, fitted to me properly. And I'd never really worried about high end gear and, and with regards to packs and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, but in 2013, I, I was in a, in a, a, construction accident and a, a building actually collapsed on top of me. Oh, geez. And yeah, and they had to kind of cut me out of it. And I, I had, I mean, like I didn't. I, I turned forty in a hospital bed. Yeah. So it was a great way to celebrate yeah. my fortieth birthday. Yeah, and uh, I had all kinds of reconstructive surgery. I couldn't walk for four months. Um, and so I felt like I went from thirty-nine to eighty uh, mm-hmm. overnight. Right. Um, and so I lost a lot of my muscle mass in my legs from atrophy and things like that. So it's been a, it's been a hard transition, uh, into being able to do whatever the heck you want to do to knowing your limitations. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, I went and met with Aaron and, um, he was just considering getting into trad and he knew I was a trad hunter. So anyway, I got, I went in there and he helped me, you know, he fit a pack to me and everything. And I ordered what I wanted. And, uh, and when I was getting ready to leave, I said, hey, you know, if you guys or if you ever want to come down to Alabama and deer hunt, um, you know, I'd love to have you down there. And he was just getting started with Brian with the Gritty Bowman and all Mm -hmm. that stuff. Or maybe it was right before then. I can't remember. But anyway, um, long story short, uh, he's just like me. Um, If somebody opens the door for hunting, you know, I, I'm not going to let the door hit me in the butt. So right, right. he says, well, when's your season run? And I said, well, it runs all the way to February 10th. He's like, Oh my gosh. And started talking about it and all long story short, you know, he was down here hunting the first of February, you know, like 30 days later, 40 days later. So anyway, um, Aaron and I got to be, uh, really, really good friends, um, since then. And, uh, he was, you know, he's been gracious enough to invite me on other hunts and stuff. He goes on. And so we hunted together some and I was shooting, uh, some arrows, uh, from Australia, mm-hmm. uh, the z arrows. And he was looking at them. He's like, man, these things are, these things are great. And I was showing him everything about them and a friend of mine owned the company and, um, And then he was looking at, like, the components and all, and I said, well, these aren't the components that come with them. You know, I had these made myself. I didn't like what came with them, so I did these these myself, and then this is what I would change. And we just started talking, and and Aaron said, man, you really need to bring these arrows to the state. So I started talking with my friend in Australia, and he's like, man— I, he was getting off on some other venture. I can't remember, but I think he was going off and doing like, uh, he was going to get into the kangaroo jerky business, mm-hmm. like kangaroo meat jerky. Right. And he just, he had, he really wasn't doing anything with the company. It was just kind of a hobby thing. So I talked to Aaron about it. and Aaron said, man, if, if you want to do this, I will support you hundred percent and help you do this this is this is the best hunting era i've ever seen and i said well here's what i want to do to change it before i ever actually released it and i told him everything i wanted to do and he said man if you can pull that off you're going to have an incredible product and i don't think you're going to have any trouble you know getting it off the ground so that's how day six was kind of born um i had intended for it to slowly grow over the next four years, right, um, and slowly grow to the point to where it would be where I couldn't do both businesses, right, uh, construction and then uh, the day six. Uh, but because of Aaron, uh, that program is probably not going to work. <laughs> nice when he saw when he gets behind something people put a lot of value in his opinion when it comes to gear.
3: Yeah.
2: Because so. he is, He's the ultimate gear junkie.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, he's the only guy I've ever seen that has, you know, five different broadheads in his quiver.
3: Hmm.
2: I've mean, just, you know, he, he, he wears something different every day of a hunt. He's constantly trying different things. And so, um, I just didn't realize the weight his opinion had, And, and, you know, the, the arrow business basically just took off. And so I had a a goal for like, man, if I could sell this many arrows my first year, I think that would be a great little start. Right. Well, we did that in the first 90 days. Jeez. So I was like, oh man, I am in big trouble. (laughs) I just, I I was not ready for that, you know? Right. Um, so I had to kick my kick my program in gear and start getting systems in place to handle the volume of sales that I thought I would experience over the next couple of years. And I'm glad I did because right after the first of the year this year, I don't know what's happened, but I guess enough people have gotten their hands on them. Um, it it is, it is, it is going through the roof right now. And fortunately, uh, I went ahead and didn't procrastinate and got ourselves set up to where we could handle it. Um, so my four-year plan might be more like a one-year plan. <laughs> right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, Which, Hey, that, that, that bodes well for the, for the time to hunt, right? It, it, it increases that hopefully a little bit. Right.
2: I, I sure hope so. Um, you know, right now, any spare minute is, is, is spent um, filling arrow orders. Right. So, um, and, and Aaron and I have been, over the last couple of years we've been playing around with a broadhead design and I was not even considering, you know, doing that anytime soon, but every single person that is buying arrows from us, I'm usually talking to them. Right. And, and 80% of them are asking, you know, what kind of broadhead are you shooting? That, that is where I struggle the most. Mm-hmm. with my decision is what brought it. That's what this is. It's the same question, same question. And I start talking to a lot of these guys that have, you know, the same level of experience and have done as many hunts as, as, as myself and some, you know, other guys. And everybody kind of wants the same thing, uh, out of the head. And they're wanting the same kind of design that Aaron and I've been talking about. So I thought, shoot, I mean, if I'm going to do it, I might as well do it. So, you know, back in the, I guess, uh, November, December, we started the production process, which has been tedious to try to get to that point, uh, of, of making these heads. And, um, and so we, we've gotten into that now and and we'll have them available. I don't know. I'm I'm hope, I'm hope. well. I'm I'm sure sometime in May, but I'm hoping the first week of of May we'll have them available, but, uh, so basically the philosophy for day six gear and the reason it's named gear, it is not an aero company. Mm-hmm. It is a gear company. And my goal when I named came up with the name day six gear is I wanted to basically build the niche fillers, uh, the unique products that I myself have wanted over the last 30 years. Right. The things that I've wanted that no one has made or, uh, the, the product that is being made, but not the way I like it. I've wanted to fill those gaps and, and it could range from anything from arrows to broadheads to boots, to uh, a, a, a sleeping bag or a backpack or a, something for a tree stand. It's all the things in my life uh, as a hunter that I've wanted and not been able to get my hands on or not been happy with, with what I could get. That's why I want day six gear to be. And that's what I wanted it to be. So I never intended for it to be this company that sold, you know, hundreds of thousands of arrows. Right. I was thinking I would sell some arrows Mm -hmm. and some broadheads and some of the next product and the next things like that. And just have this really neat, specialized gear company. Um, But, you know, it looks like it's going to be higher volumes as far as each product than I actually anticipated, which is okay. I mean, we can set up to do that, but Mm -hmm. uh, that's not what it was intended to be. I never had any inclinations or um, indications that this thing would, would blow up this fast. So obviously the product is good Mm -hmm. um, because right now, Uh, I looked at our report for March and um, you know, you got to realize we're not even a year old yet. So you would think most of our customers would be new customers, but I looked in March, um, 30% of our customers were repeat
1: customers. That's awesome. That's awesome.
2: So, so obviously the product is good because these guys are coming back and and ordering more. Um, So anyway, I'm, I'm blown away with, success that we've had so far and um i'm a little overwhelmed because this is the busiest our construction company has ever been because (laughs) the economy is booming and we live in an area that is um like one of it is the fastest growing area in city county area in the state and then one of the top fastest growing areas in the country so we're in a booming economy uh, nationally, and then we're in a booming economy locally where we are. So, it's uh, it's almost a little more than I can handle, to be quite honest with
1: you. Right. No, it's uh, it it's always a, a a blessing and a curse to a degree, right? Whenever it's it's uh it never fails. All things kind of collide at one at one time. But you know, you're having success on both fronts, which is you know, which is fantastic. And I'm super happy for you because I know we've we've been talking since. You know, probably mid-year last year, you know, and had some, you know, different, different conversations. And I've been shooting the arrows since, you know, last, I guess, uh, late spring, I want to say, is when I first started shooting them and getting my bow uh, set up for them. Um, and, you know, they're awesome arrows. Like, I, you know, I, I've been giving it a ringing endorsement since I started shooting them. Um, you know, I don't I don't really have any tuning issues that I used to have in the past um, with other arrows you know other you know mass produced mass produced arrows um and just yep. the, the weight of them and the strength of them you know it's uh you know i'm not the perfect archer so i've definitely flung one or two into the side of a tree or into a cinder block wall or whatever it was behind my my target As i'm as i'm changing to a uh, a, a, a thumb release with back tension so you know i've i've been a little squirrely this spring as i'm kind of getting used to that and and it's. It used to be if something like that happened with one of my arrows in the past, I would check it to make sure it was okay, and it inevitably was not ever okay. Um, with these ones, it's like it actually takes that abuse, and I'm able to continue continue shooting them, um, which is great for a guy who you know is going to buy a set of arrows and needs them to last. It's like if you have challenge accuracy challenges or whatever, um, you know these arrows are going to be able to take a beating. Um, you know especially whenever you're talking about passing through deer and stuff like that, you'll be able to use these arrows to continue to shoot more deer. You know, with that single arrow, because it's not going to, um, you know, be worthless once it gets on the other side. Like I literally shot my deer this year in a swamp, lost the arrow because it penetrated the ground and it was in water and I couldn't hear it or I couldn't uh, find it. I went back after all the snow melted this year and found it, put it in my quiver and have been shooting it ever since <laughs> the veins didn't come off. <laughs> like the veins were fine. Yeah. like there, there was nothing wrong with it at all. And I put it back in my quiver and started shooting it again. Um, so that's the type of quality you guys are, you guys are putting out. I couldn't be happier with them. You know, for me, um, I have a shorter draw length and so I appreciate a heavier arrow, uh, especially with the insert and yeah. the outsert you guys run. It allows me to have some really great front of center, um, which has kind of taught yep. me a lot just in general about how my bow shoots and how I want it to shoot. Um, you know, which has helped my accuracy immensely, just having that front of center be, you know, what it needs, what it needs to be. Um, and man, the wallop that thing puts on, puts on an animal down range is just, you know, you don't have to worry about whether or not you're going to get a through or not. Just, let's just put it that way.
2: <laughs> well, you know, I want to be clear and we're not, we're not, you know, building and selling any magic bean here. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's it, by design and by construction um, that arrow is going to be inherently more accurate because it's going to be more stable um, and it's going to and it's going to fly better, uh, which is what gives you your accuracy. But um, it's not that these arrows are magic. It is that they are very easy to get to fly perfect. Because of all their attributes, small diameter, they're heavier, they're more consistent, um, you've got they're, they're balanced properly as far as the weight ratios. Um, and so penetration comes from arrow flight. Mm-hmm. You can you can you can get caught up in the what broadhead and how much FOC and how much the arrow weighs, you can get caught up in the the, all those things are for naught if the arrow is not flying perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can take a 350-grain arrow that's flying perfect and penetrate better than a 700-grain arrow that's flying poorly. It is, it is all about focusing energy behind the head. So you take that same philosophy and now you take a 500-grain a 550 grain arrow and you get it flying perfectly there's really no stopping it at that point mm-hmm. um, so it's it's one of those things that I, I learned a lot, of, a lot of hard valuable lessons when I went to shooting a trad bow 25 years ago mm-hmm. and when you figure out how to make you know an arrow flying 160-170 feet per second zip through everything you shoot and then you go back and apply that same formula to a compound bow, especially today's modern compound bows. I mean, it's just a recipe for, uh, you know, success at a very high, high level. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think it's important for guys to understand it's, it's nothing, nothing magic here. It just helps provide for good arrow flight. And then you have a lot of mass behind it, and that's where you get your penetration
1: right right do you think you know for for me you know I'll be the first to admit you know i was kind of guilty of you know whenever i'd be getting you know a new bow or you know getting my bow tuned or whatever the case might be you know arrows for the longest time for me were probably the last thing that i considered whenever i was going over my entire setup for a year Um, do you think people overlook the importance of you know how much a different, how much difference a quality arrow can make versus not whenever they're, you know, thinking about their setup or working on their setup.
2: Oh, I, I, 100%. Um, not as much the guys that, that really get it and really invest the time, um, to work through the process to understand their gear. Those guys don't, Mm -hmm. but the guy that, that has a bow, um, even the guy that goes and buys a new bow every year, he goes through all the stuff that gets clamped onto the bow uh, and the bow itself, and then he's like, oh, and give me a dozen arrows and then a pack of those broadheads. Right. And it should be the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> because the arrow and the broadhead is what actually does the job. Right. The bow is the medium to deliver it. So, um, yeah, I, I think it is definitely ass backwards when it comes to the process i i was never that way because you know i i, I was shooting uh, you know a traditional bow for a long period of time and so the, the really the the focus for me was always the arrow the arrowhead and arrow flight um and that was out of necessity because that's inherently what a, a traditional bow drives you to do because it's by nature, it doesn't want to send an arrow straight. You have to manipulate it. So, uh, yeah, I, I, but I think, I think things are changing, Clint. I think, um, there's good information out there right now. And you see guys getting more invested in the process of understanding their arrow, their broadhead, their arrow flight. Um, and, and I think you're going to see a lot more, uh, a lot more success, um, with guys that are starting to do
1: that now right you know i think it's part and parcel too that you know like day six there's you know i think there's a more of a focus on quality of gear now more so than i can remember necessarily right i think you know for the longest time the hunting industry was you know because it was driven by big box retailers for the most part you know they didn't have opportunities for online direct-to-consumer type of stuff you know it became more of a a recent um, phenomenon but you know, that by nature of those business models you couldn't have quality because if you were making the the highest of quality from a retail perspective, the costs were going to be so out of most people's reach that the products were never going to sell. So the way that they had to, you know, get them to a price point that people could pallet was you reduce the quality of the components that you're using to reduce your cost, that way you can have your margin to create your markup to so the retailer can make their money. Um, and with this new kind of you know wave i don't want to say wave but this the ability to take the approach of going direct to the consumer and kind of cutting out the middleman allows companies like day 6 to put you know quality components together and able to pass that savings along to their to their uh, customers by the nature of not having to go through that third party to get there so i think it's like as hunters i think we live in a great time as far as like quality of gear becoming more of a focal point because i think consumers now have gotten a taste of it in certain markets and now that's i think becoming the expectation as opposed to getting a game call that has some celebrity hunter's name slapped on the side of it where it's just it's a you know a knockoff piece of you know I'll just say what it is knockoff piece of junk game call that has someone's name you're paying 80 percent of the cost you're paying for the name that's on it versus the product that you're actually getting so um do you kind of feel the same that people's kind of perceptions or perspectives and in, in, um you know i guess expectations are are, are changing because of that from a consumer standpoint well
2: well, from the consumer standpoint and myself as a consumer for all kinds of hunting products over the years you know the consumer now is much more sophisticated Mm -hmm. Uh, all the information is, is is you know at your fingertips so you really can't you really you're not as susceptible to fall for the the hype marketing and BS anymore because you can do the research yourself and easily, you know, educate yourself on a product very quickly. So you have a lot more sophisticated buyer uh, that can kind of weed through it. And, um, and so you don't really need the guidance from somebody in a shop anymore to tell you what you need. Uh, You can, you can kind of do the, the, research yourself and, and make that determination. The other thing is, is that like with regards to the, the wholesale retail, uh, plan model in you know, that model, that would never work for day six. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny. I've had so many pro shops, uh, archery shops all over the country, uh, reach out, uh, wanting to be a dealer because they have some of their really good customers shooting our arrows and, you know, when I very, very politely say, man, we're just not going down that road. We're going to stay small and be consumer direct and deal one-on-one with all of our customers. They immediately have gone on the offensive and kind of started bashing us a little bit, you right. know. Uh, and I can understand they're trying to protect their nest just like, you know, we would protect ours. So, right. um, but that model wouldn't work. And the reason it wouldn't work is, is that, in the aero business, uh, uh, you know, in the air, in the, in the uh, aero industry, if I wanted that model to work, basically what I would do is I would fly overseas and I'd go to the, you know, one of a dozen factories around the, around Asia that makes, um, arrows mm-hmm. and I would go to the factory and I would go meet with these different, um, factories and they would show me what they're making already. Mm-hmm. And we're making, you know, this, this particular spec arrow for this company. We're making this particular spec arrow for this company. And you'd go through and you say, this is the one I want. And they basically would say, okay, well, we can sell you all of our, you know, we can sell you this many 1000 straightness versions, this many 3000 straightness and this many 6000 straightness of this particular style model. And we'll put your label on it. So if I wanted to go, just pick uh, an arrow shaft that was being made for another company, and just put my label on it, which is what the arrow industry is for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, we could, you know, buy these arrows for half what we're paying for them now,
1: right?
2: Because there's no waste factor. You know, one thousand, three thousand, six thousand. when well, they're making them all. They're dividing them up. And me and two other companies are buying this many of the 1,000. We're buying this many of the threes, this many of the six. So the arrow company is not throwing arrows away or having to grind them and recycle. The way we're doing it is we have a specific arrow that we want built a specific way. And so if they have an arrow that doesn't make spec, it just has to get ground and recycled. So therefore the cost is, is higher because we're basically having to pay for the arrows that meet spec and the ones that don't right
1: Does that
2: make sense
1: yeah no it totally makes so, sense you know because with the other with the other folks like if you're going the the asia production route it's like you're you're already walking into getting economies of scale also because they're creating right a, a mass crop of them and so you're not paying for a small run you're paying and buying into a large run essentially it,
2: you're just piggybacking on another company's production production. Yeah. So, so what we, so I'm like, okay, well, if we, if we, we could do one or two things, we could sell to dealers and our arrows would be $250 a dozen.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, or we could take that 40% that we would have to, you know, knock off for a dealer markup. and, Keep our price the same as everything else, and just go to wreck and sell less. Right, and so that you know that is that is the the model for the arrows, but that model works across the board for any product. Mm-hmm. So let's say the broadheads that I want, you know, I could go to a factory that all they do is make broadheads, and then just piggyback off stuff they're already doing. Same thing again, and use. Lesser pro you know, lesser materials, uh, easier, simpler process, um, and go that route, sell through dealers, you know, and just be a volume deal, mm-hmm. but that's not what I want. I want a bad ass broadhead. Right. I want, I want to use titanium. I want to be able to have these intricate, intricate designs that take twice as long in their, in their CNC machine to make. Therefore they're gonna charge me twice as much to make it. Right. I wanna do that. I want what I want. That is what day six is. It's all the stuff that I want. Right. And then I'm gonna sell the other people if they like it. Right. But well, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying so so the model holds uh, you know across the board. So everything we do is gonna be at the highest level the way we want to make it. So it has to be consumer direct, but I'm okay
1: with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it allows you the opportunity to to have the most control over your your quality. You know what I mean? Other other yeah. any other way, you 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 have to give up some of it. You know what I mean? And like, you know, if you go any other any other route, so it's a uh, I always appreciate when when companies take that extra step to make sure that they're giving you giving you their best. You know what I mean? Instead of their instead of yeah. their best marketing. <laughs> <laughs> so to speak yeah um you know yeah. can you but you uh, know
2: in like the good like the big air companies that that we're not going to be a blip on their radar right they're not worried about us i mean we're not you know being consumer direct like this and and selling just to high-end guys that want really high-end good stuff it's going to be such a small market share compared to what they control they're, we're not even going to show up on their radar which is great that's exactly where i want to be right. off the radar
1: and, yeah, and, and everyone can still get theirs, right? It's the exactly. every, no one has to lose here. Is the is the moral of the story? Right. You know, yeah, can you uh, give any um, you know, and if you can, I t- totally understand. But can you give any you know specifics or um, you know uh, what the what the broadhead is going to entail, or is it is it too new to do that?
2: Oh no, I don't mind talking about it at all. I mean, it, it is a um, um, you know, over the years, Aaron and I have had some 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 of our favorite heads, um, and those heads have had attributes that we love, but that's also had, you know, characteristics that were like, dang, if it didn't have this, it would be perfect. Or if it only had this, it would be perfect. And so that's what we've done is, you know, we just basically sat down and said, I said, this is my favorite three ever. And Aaron said, this is my favorite three er- ever. And what's crazy is, is Two of those three, he and I had the same head, <laughs> and we only varied we only varied on uh, the third one.
1: Right.
2: So we started designing, uh, you know, taking attributes from the things we liked and the things we didn't, and just started designing around that. So basically, it's a it's a two blade head, um, that has um, like a uh, like the Maasai shape. Um, the, the the convex shape you follow what i'm saying yep yep um and uh it that that is my, that is both of our favorite shape uh, and a lot of guys that we that we use to lean on on this it's, it's our favorite shape head it's just a it's a very easy way to get to a very slight less aggressive blade angle um without having a uh, a broad head that you know, two inches long. Um, so that's the easiest way to get to a, a very low profile, non-aggressive blade angle, because having a blade angle that is more, uh, parallel with your arrow shaft, uh, than perpendicular to it is that's the key to, to, to hemorrhage and to, and to, to slicing. It doesn't matter how sharp a blade is, mm-hmm. is if the angle of that blade is perpendicular to the arrow travel, you're getting more of an axe effect than you are a knife slice effect.
3: Hmm.
2: And a and a slice is how you cut, right? You know, you, literally, if you took a, a a super sharp knife and pushed straight down on your finger, you know, perfect, perfectly perpendicular to it, you could cut yourself, but it'd be very hard. It would take a ton of pressure to cut. Right. You'd have to push so hard, um, but if you take that same knife and you draw it, just just use the weight of the knife and just draw it down your finger and slice it right off. Right. So, the slicing effect is what creates hemorrhage and um, and, and creates a better cut. It also is what preserves the sharpness of the blade. Hmm. It doesn't dull as fast, so. Anyway, so that's the shape that we wanted. Um, we did want a bleeder, but we didn't want a bleeder at the back of the broadhead where most people put them. We wanted it closer towards the front of the ferrule because one of the jobs to me um, that a, a bleeder should do, um, other than opening up a little bit more of a wound channel, its main job is to open up the channel for the broadhead ferrule and the arrow shaft behind it.
3: Hmm. So you
2: have, don't have a lot of friction, okay?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So if you stick this bleeder blade all the way at the back, um, you know, you basically, the ferrule has to open up that cavity with friction and drag itself until it gets to that blade.
1: right?
2: So that's one of the things we did. And then the other thing is, is as you slide it forward, it gives you the ability to elongate That bleeder blade and make it longer than it is wide to again lessen that blade angle and make it where it's more of a slice than a hatchet type cut. Hmm. Um, So, and then, you know, we were trying to target some weights that have been very difficult to achieve uh, for, you know, in the past with other heads. You know, we wanted a a solid blade uh, 100 grain head that was not vented um if we didn't care about having the perfect head we would have just vented our blades and problem solved right um but that's not what we want number one we wanted a solid blade because they're quiet but number two uh it doesn't allow for uh material to get hung up in those vents and create more drag hair and meat and bone and things like that that get into, you know, the vents. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was one of our challenges as well. So in order to do that, you have to lighten the ferrule. So if we wanted to make the ferrule out of aluminum, like most people do, problem solved. Right. We don't want aluminum. To me, there's no place for aluminum in a broadhead. So we went to titanium to achieve our lightweight um, heads where we're trying to meet um, uh, light target weights, but also maintain a solid blade. We had to go to titanium for the ferrules on those sizes, which is expensive. Mm -hmm. So um, anyway, it's just, it was a lot of challenges. And then the ability to go consumer direct, instead of having to, you know, discount the 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 head forty percent to sell to a dealer. That gives us luxury to um, basically bill whatever we want.
1: Right,
2: and that's what we. Do. Nice. So that, that that's that's kind of the 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 story design in in a nutshell of kind of what we were uh, going through in our thought process and trying to achieve.
1: Right. Now, is this going to be just in a hundred grain or you guys going to have different weight options or just one weight option? Uh, there's actually
2: three. three. Um, we Where well, there's three blade options, there's uh, six weight options. So we have a um, uh, hundred and 125 grain head that are uh, inch and a 16th wide mm-hmm. Um. And then the the next head, which is a head that um, I really wanted uh, and was kind of my baby, was um, I wanted an inch and a quarter wide head. Mm -hmm. I like a wide broad head. They're not making a lot of them out there because, again, people have been shooting really light arrows. They've been very difficult to tune. um, And therefore, you can't shoot a, a very big head. That's where all these tiny broadheads have come from. Okay. Um, and, of course, the, you know, devil itself, the expandable. But um, <laughs> but anyway, I wanted an inch and a quarter wide head. So, uh, so we have uh, an, a, another blade design uh, that's inch and a quarter wide, and it's going to come in a 125 and a 150. Hmm. Um, and then our third design is a uh, big old honking trad head um, and it's uh, 200 and 250 um, and it's, it's, it's really, really slick. It's an inch and five sixteenths wide, but it's uh, right at two inches long. Um, and it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's strictly a trad head. I mean, I got it you have a compound. Of course they wanted to, but that's what it was designed for. Right. So, we figured if we were going to do it, we're just going to do it all at once. You know, we we talked about maybe just releasing the the and 125 first and then coming back later next year. And I said, no, we're going to do it. These are our three dream heads. Let's just build them and do it all at once. Get it over with.
1: Nice. And when did you and, say that was coming out? I know you mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but is it March? Uh, May, May, May. May. Okay, sorry. Yeah, May. Nice. Yeah, in May. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So... so uh, I know I've kept you here about a about an hour and a half. Um, I want to be sensitive to your time. So before before I do that, though, is there any uh, what's what's next for uh, for day six? You got the the heads coming out soon. You've got some killer arrows that me along with a bunch of other people have been shooting that are you know think think they're pretty great. Um, you know, what do you guys have? Uh, what do you guys have planned for the future?
2: Well, we've we've got a couple of other things that we're working on, but. To be totally honest with you, I have been totally, um, totally just uh, focused on the the arrows and the heads and getting everything perfected, uh, getting production up to a level that we can um, handle the sales demand. Um, and when I get these heads out in May, um, and get everything you know kind of fine tuned on those as far as from the production delivery side. Uh, I am tapping the brakes a little bit. Mm -hmm. We are going to focus on perfecting our system of delivery to the customer, uh, for arrows, broadheads, uh, throughout, you know, the rest of the year. And I'm going to hunt some, um, because I did not get into this business to go to shows and wear bedazzled jeans (laughs) and take selfies. You will, you, there's no need to ask me. If for anybody that's listening, don't send me an email and ask me if I'm going to this show or not this show or that show. I am not going to the shows. Um, if I'm not filling, uh, orders and talking to guys and helping them get what they need, I'm going to be hunting. Nice. That's why I'm doing this. And so, um, I'm going to hunt my butt off this year. Uh, and, and just, I mean, that's testing for us. And, uh, and then after, after the, uh, into this year we're going to get into um, looking at a couple other products that we want to do I would normally tell you what what they are but I'm not going to do that because I can't handle the customer service calls as it is <laughs> and um, it, and Aaron opened his big fat mouth about the broadheads way too early on his podcast and <laughs> it's been overwhelming people asking about them right uh, and so I am not going to talk about anything that we're working on or not working on as far as products because I can't handle it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep this thing, Clint, where I can talk to everybody that calls.
1: Right, right.
2: I mean, I want, I want to be the guy that that signs the checks, but also handles the the the, the problems and the complaints with the customers, and then I also want to be the guy that helps customers get what they need. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to get this thing to a point to where I have to hire somebody to uh represent day six i i want to talk to every person that calls yeah no and that's so that's where
1: i'm trying to keep it no and that's a and that's a good goal man and i i appreciate your um your diligence and and keeping it to uh keeping it to that. So I'll respect your your uh your coyness <laughs> when it comes to addi- additional additional pro- uh, products. I'll see if maybe in a personal conversation if I can't squeeze one or two out of them yet at a different date, but uh uh That's with that right. <laughs> with that uh, I'm going to go ahead and let you get going but before I do that, if you wouldn't mind, uh, let folks out there know where they can find out more about you, more about Day 6.
2: Uh well, it's Day 6 gear um on Instagram and um, it's linked to our Facebook page I never check it. So if you send me a message on Facebook and I don't answer, it's because I don't ever go on Facebook. Uh, Just you can message me through Instagram. Um, The easiest way to get me is at day6gear.com. Just go to the email contact form thing and send me an email. And I I normally respond within an hour. Um, So uh, that's the best way to get us. And I'm happy to help anybody with any um, skill level from beginner all the way to, to expert, even perceived expert. Right. So whatever, wherever, whatever level you're at, I'm happy to help, you know, get you where you need to be.
1: Awesome. And for everyone out there listening, I'll put all the, the links to all these places in the, uh, in the blog post show notes associated with this, uh, with this podcast, Brian, thanks for spending your morning with me, buddy. I'll let you get back to your, to your whitetail breakfast of, uh, of biscuits, gravy and bacon, I think. <laughs>
2: Well, now the work starts. I got to go uh I got to go fill feeders and and start taking down the last of the stands for the year and uh, loosen straps and all that good stuff. So, uh it, the whitetail woods never uh never end, buddy. It's always something to do.
1: That's right. All right, man. we will talk to you soon. Thanks. Thank you. See ya. Alright, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank Brian for joining. Be sure to check out day6gear.com follow them on Instagram. I'd of course like to thank all of you for listening as well. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five star rating. That would be super rad if you'd be able to do those two things for me and before we shut this thing down i need to give a big shout out to our partners that continue to help us make this podcast possible exodus outdoor gear skull brew coffee company ozonics obsession bows ramcap rodheads trophy taker rests and dead downwind and until next time we'll see y'all